Hello, and welcome to Bedrock, a podcast on Earth's earliest history. I'm your host, Dylan Wilmeth. Today, I'll be interviewing Dr. Nadia Drabin, a new professor at Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and a good friend of mine. Dr. Drabin and I met in 2017 at a workshop in Barberton, South Africa, where we scoped out locations to drill hundreds of meters of core for future scientific work, core that is being drilled as we speak in 2022. Dr. Drabin did her bachelor's and graduate research on rocks from the Barberton area, earning a PhD at Stanford University in California. On the show, I'll talk to Dr. Drabin about these rocks and about one special mineral, zircon. I introduced zircons in episode 3 and how they are commonly used in geochronology, the science of dating Earth's past. Dr. Drabin has recently discovered zircons from South Africa that are some of the oldest minerals on planet Earth. Today, she'll tell us how these zircons formed more than 4 billion years ago, then became recycled into an ancient beach, and finally, a mountain range today. But that's enough from me. Without any further ado, Dr. Nadia Drabin. Dr. Drabin, Nadia, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks so much for having me. Before we dive into the zircons and South Africa and all that, how did you get your start in geology? What drew you to this corner of the sciences? I, during high school, I've always been really interested in the natural sciences. It's always been a lot of fun to me. And I think geology is really fascinating because it draws from all the different natural sciences. So what I do now, my research today, right? I do a lot of basic physics, chemistry, biology. It's, so it's putting all of that together. Um, and then, you know, in, so I'm German, coming from Germany. And so we have to make a decision as to what we want to study right after high school. So we don't have time to kind of look around. We have to sign up for a specific subject when we start university. Um, so before I did that, I actually shadowed a student uh, for a day. So I visited three different classes and one of them, everyone was like, don't go to that class. It's the most horrible class we have. The lecture is terrible. The topic is so boring. And I have to say, I just loved every single class, even the most boring one. So once I realized that even the most boring topic of geology is extremely exciting to me, I was like, yeah, that's it. You just knew right off the bat. That's that's really yeah. awesome. And you've done so much groundbreaking work from this place called Barberton in South Africa. You published more than a dozen papers from the area, uh, at least five as first author. But Barberton outside the ancient earth community might not be well known for the general public. So could you tell us about where Barberton is, how old the rocks are here, and what, what broad stories they're telling us? Yeah, so the area I do my research is called the Barberton Greenstone Belt, and it's a really fascinating area. Um, uh, to me, it's the one of the most fascinating areas of the entire planet. So the Barberton Greenstone Belt is located in southeastern South Africa, so at the border to Swaziland. Um, and it's one of the oldest well-preserved sequences of rocks. So just to tune everyone in a little bit, Earth is about 4.6 billion years old. The oldest rocks are 4 billion years. And the Barberton Greenstone Belt was deposited between about 3.6 to 3.2 billion years ago. So that's still a little ways away from the oldest rocks that we have on Earth. But what we have to remember is that the older the rocks are, the worse the preservation is. So only 5% of the rocks that are exposed at the surface today are 
older than 2.5 billion years. So it's it's really not a lot that is left. And of those areas that are left, a lot of it is really deformed or has been cooked. So Barberton is really one of the few areas that shows excellent preservation. You know, we look at the rocks now and they look like they could have been deposited five million years ago, which, mm. you know, to a normal person five million years <laughs> might seem like a long time. But for us geologists, that's really not a long time. <laughs> what I like to do on the show is when we have numbers come up, I like to talk about the Earth calendar. So if 4.6 is January 1st, only 5% of the planet is exposed that is older than 2.5. That's like June, July. So if you think about our Earth calendar, for the first half of Earth's year, we only have these scattered islands around the planet. And Barberton is is one of these islands, as you mentioned. And I like to think of that as the springtime of the Earth. Things really are starting to get going. And not just in the calendar, but things are just flourishing. Great. And you that image. That's really oh, great. Thank- Thank you. I don't know. I, you know, waxing poetic here about the Archean, but that's that's what I do. There are so many places in the Barberton Greenstone Belt. You could probably do a podcast on that itself. But today, we're going to look at just one specifically, a place called the Green Sandstone Bed. While we're going poetic uh, here, let's imagine that we're all standing at your field location, watching you work on your rocks. What's the location? Paint us a word picture. <laughs> yeah, the Green Sandstone Bed is in a really fun location of the Barberton Greenstone Belt. So it's in about the central part and it's located on this ridge that is separating two valleys. And that area is already famous. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there have been at least two drill costs taken from that area already. Um, and more than 50 papers published on, on this specific area. So now having found the green sandstone bed kind of on the ridge between the two valleys, we, we added another geotourism attraction uh, mm-hmm. to this area. It's a really gorgeous area. The green sandstone bed itself is this rock unit that is actually not very big. It's only about five meters thick. Um, And you kind of can trace it along the ridge for for a little while. So when we do research there, you know, during during lunch break, we can just sit there and just like gaze into the valley. And it's it's really gorgeous, especially in the fall when everything's green. Um, Yeah, it's a really beautiful area. There's a lot of pine trees and there's mist coming in through these sort of low rolling areas. From an American standpoint, it reminds me a lot of the Appalachian Mountains, lower, more forested areas. Um, incredibly beautiful. I want to circle back to one note you mentioned. You mentioned this word geotourism. That's not just a word you made up. Like the Barberton has this trail. Yeah, the, the geotrail uh, is what it's called. And it's a really fantastic thing that they developed over the last couple of years. And I think one of the driving forces was, was the geologist, Christoph Heuberg, who actually is my undergrad advisor. If you ever get the chance to fly to South Africa and drive to the town of Barberton, um, there's a really beautiful route that takes you from Barberton all the way to Swaziland with quite a number of stops at really scenic places, but importantly you know locations with really fantastic geology and they've got these great plaques that explain everything you see and the importance of it so anyone who goes to South Africa I really highly recommend going there is it already World Heritage site I'm I'm pretty sure it is it's UNESCO World Heritage material and it's decently close to a place called Kruger National Park which is like one of the premier Mm -hmm. safari zones so if you're in the area and you want to check out big game Take an extra day, travel a bit to the south and and see, you know, it's a a geological safari. Yeah, and we still, every year we go to South Africa to do work, research in the Barberton Greenstone Belt. We also stop by Kruger Park. It doesn't get old. 
there's a lot of different interesting minerals in the Barberton uh, area, but we're just going to focus on zircon today. If you want more information about zircon, I would recommend listening to episode three, where we really talk about how this is used in geochronology. But for new listeners, what is zircon and why is it one of the most important minerals in geology? So zircon is composed of zirconium, silicon, and oxide. But not only that, it also incorporates a lot of trace amounts of other elements. It just provides us this huge wealth of information. The most important way we use zircon is by doing geochronology. So that means we use it to date rocks. When zircon forms, it incorporates a lot of uranium. Uranium is radioactive and it's going to start decaying. We have an idea of how long it takes for half of the uranium to decay. When we find these really old zircons, we can measure the the ratio of how much uranium there is compared to how much lead. And based on that ratio, we can calculate how old the zircons are. How old are these zircons? The zircons that we find in this green sandstone belt are incredibly old. So you have to remember the Barberton Greenstone Belt formed between 3.6 to 3.2 billion years ago. But within the sandstone belt, we actually find zircons that are as old as 4.2 billion years. Maybe I should like take this moment to talk a little bit about the Hadean. So the Hadean eon is the time period between Earth's formation and about 4 billion years ago. And it's a really enigmatic time period that we know very little about. The oldest rock is about 4 billion years old. So all we have left is these tiny grain zircons. So these zircons, you have to imagine they're smaller than a grain of sand. They're incredibly tiny. So zircons that are older than 4 billion years, so Hadean zircons, have only been found in a dozen locations around the globe. They have one, two, or maybe three Hadean zircons. That's, that's all we have. There's one place that is really famous, and that's in Australia, that's called the Jack Hills. They've gone in with mining equipment to get as much material out as they can and to find mm-hmm. as many of these old zircons as they can. And that has provided us really with a wealth of information. But that's only one location on the Earth. If you have a sample size of one, you know, you're really prone to bias. You're not going to get something that's really representative of the entire Earth. So having a new location in South Africa with these really old zircons, you know, can potentially really tell us a lot more about this earliest time period. So we know that zircons are very useful as timepieces. Can they teach us anything else about the ancient world? So we try to throw anything analytically at these grains. So for that, we can use other proxies. So that's different isotopes or other elements like rare earth elements. And all of these can really tell us a really fascinating story about the time for which we don't have any rocks preserved. Just to talk through some of these really fundamental questions that we still have about, you know, Earth's first 500 million years. (laughs) They're incredibly fundamental. So things that we take for granted today, for example, that there's life, that we have plate tectonics, that there's oceans. We actually don't know when those things started. The Hadean Earth is clearly so different and still so unknown, but your work and the work of others is slowly changing that. You have a new paper coming out with exciting new stories. What have you found? So the the zircons in the green sandstone bed, they're between 4.2 and 3.3 billion years. So, you know, that's like more than 800 million years of Earth history from a time period where we don't have rocks to the time period where we do have rocks. Mm -hmm. We see some really fascinating changes in the geochemistry of these zircons. The oldest zircons, so the ones, you know, that are Hadean in age, 
they have a really interesting signature that is very different to anything really we see on Earth today. Beforehand, we had this crust that was really long-lived. And then about 3.8 billion years ago, there's this major change. Suddenly, this old crust is being broken up new magmas coming from the mantle coming up. We can see material that was at the surface actually being reworked at depth. These are actually hallmarks of plate tectonics. We don't fully understand yet what happened and how it happened, but there's this major period of change where we have this really more long-lived crust beforehand to something that starts looking more and more like what we have today. It's like you have a baby photo and then you can start to see more and more a person as they become the adult. Like, oh yeah, I I see their eyes or their nose there. You can start to see that the signatures in these zircons of a of a That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. For reference, that's about February in our Earth calendar. We're still in January right now, but that's a perfect sort of teaser trailer for when we actually get to February in a few weeks, a few months. We'll we'll see at this (laughs) page. A listener might be thinking, well, wait a minute. So the zircons are 4 billion years old or even earlier, but the rock itself, this sandstone is 3.6 billion years old. And when I think of sandstone, I usually think, okay, that's an ancient beach. 3.3 billion, yes, the rock. So sorry, 3.3, that's that's on me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> so clearly there has been a journey from when this zircon crystallized out of molten rock, and then it eventually takes this journey to the beach. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that might've happened? Yeah, sure. So I'm actually, I'm an early earth geologist, but my heart really is with sedimentary rocks, Mm -hmm. (laughs) sandstones, mudstones, things like that. When, When a sandstone forms, right, it doesn't come from nothing. So when we think about how sandstones form, you have to imagine that we've got this mountain range in the background. Um, We've got weathering and erosion, you know, that is like slowly breaking down, grinding down the rock. And then the particles, the grains and the class that are being derived from that are just being transported through rivers uh, and and lakes and all of these things um, into kind of a lower lying area. So because of that, when we pick up a sand from the beach today, it's going to represent this whole history, right, from the mountains, like in which the, the grains actually formed and then how it was transported downstream and then eventually deposited, in this case, in a beach environment. So you've got this chemical story you told us about this world that's still so alien to us, but there's a second story, the physical story of how you pluck that zircon from this cold rock and you eventually transport it through rivers into this this beach environment. So really this zircon is telling us about a a billion years of of earth history. So again, you can see why geologists get very excited about, about zircons. They tell us so much. I want to touch on a recent one you had on zircons in earth's early magnetic field. This one struck me uh, as a bit different in that this paper concludes that these zircons actually can't tell us as much as we would maybe like about Earth's early magnetic field. Was writing this paper any, did it feel any different from your others? Yeah, so this paper was headed by my collaborator, Roger Fu, who's also here at Harvard University, and he mm-hmm. he studies paleomagnetism throughout Earth's history and, and space. <laughs> So yeah, we, we teamed up to, to see if we can find any remnants of Earth's early magnetic field. So Earth's magnetic field is really hugely important for Earth's habitability because the magnetic field today really shields us from UV radiation. So 
we don't know when that magnetic field started developing. We really don't. Um, so we, we are looking at the zircons to see, can we find any trace of a magnetic field in, in these old zircons? And unfortunately, to our disappointment, you know, that's just how it is. <laughs> um, the zircons did not preserve any, any signal for magnetic field. And of course, the results are disappointing. But also, you know, when we do science, we are not always going to find the answers that we are looking for. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, to acknowledge, okay, where is the uncertainty and, and where there's no uncertainty and to be real about it, right? Um, but the other aspect is also, you know, we don't want the next researcher to like try the same thing and then fail as well. <laughs> I'm very certain that we will find more Hadean zircon locations and then hopefully the preservation is better where we might find traces for magnetic field. Oh, well, fingers crossed that, that that happens. Yeah. And if that does, dear listeners, you'll be the first to know. We'll have Nadja back to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your coolest field story from working in the Barberton? Oh, yeah, that's a good question because there are so many. I think yeah. just being out in the field is so much fun. I, I really enjoy every single day. Going to Barberton, one thing that has been most fun, and especially while I was a student, was that our advisors really put a lot of effort into, you know, making us feel welcome and integrated. Every year they put together this really fun show where they initiate us into the double secret Barberton Greenstone Society. And Ooh. I probably should not be talking about it. <laughs> First I've heard about it. <laughs> But it's, it's been really fun where our advisors will dress up with funny paper hacks, be all serious and initiate us into the society. And then they give us little presents, like really fun rocks, you know, to, to take home with us. And they put together a little certificate that we can put on our walls. It's, it's really fun. And it's just, you know, you've got these old professors that have worked in Barberton for 40 years, maybe, and they put together this show and it's just absolutely ridiculous and hilarious. <laughs> there is so much personal history here. As you say, this is, people have recognized the importance of this area for decades. And it's really good that even if it's in a, a goofy, entertaining way, actually, especially because it's in a goofy, entertaining way, they're passing the torch on to the next generation of mm -hmm. researchers. That's that's really heartwarming. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's so great. And it's being in the field together, you know, with a group of people, it just really bonds you together so much. Um, it, it's really fantastic. And I'm, that's one of the things that makes me so glad that I'm a geologist because we get to have that, right? We get to go into the field every year for a couple of weeks and really get to know each other and the rocks, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, th those two, I guess. You know, <laughs> no, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the job. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. What's something not geology related, not rock related that, uh, that brightens your day? I think in the past, I would have said probably, you know, hopping on my bike and going biking or, you know, going hiking, you know, playing music. I, I've played the flute for, oh my gosh, like over 20 years now. <laughs> I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, for a really long time. Um, but honestly, that changed last year when I welcomed my little daughter. So now I have yeah. a daughter that is about a year old and she's really <sighs> the one that brightens 
a day, every every day. Uh, congratulations, that's that's wonderful. You were showing me pictures of earlier. It's so cute. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Nadia. It's been it's been a pleasure to have you. If if anyone's interested in contacting you, how would you like to be contacted if people have any more questions about this research? Oh yeah, anyone can just shoot me an email. If you just Google my name, Nadia Draven, or maybe Dylan, you can link my website uh, yes. in, in the notes. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you one last time, Nadia, and hopefully we'll have you back on the show really soon. It's been a pleasure. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Bedrock, a part of Bee Giants Media. As the show takes off, I would love to hear your input on style, topics, and people to interview. You can drop me a line at bedrock.mailbox at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>